need my hat on. Y'all wear a sock cap all day long. And it just, it's what happens when you're bald. Psalm 117. This is the shortest psalm in the Bible. Psalm 117. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people, for his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we ask in Christ's name that you would give us the grace to enter in to this psalm. That we might from our hearts praise you for who you are and by your grace cause it to be a delight to us to praise your name. How thankful we are for your merciful kindness. Lord, we ask that your merciful kindness might be extended to each one of us. We pray for your blessing upon this assembly. We pray that you'd enable us to preach your gospel. We ask that you would enable us to believe your gospel. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us of our sins, that you'd cleanse us. We pray for your presence. We pray for your blessing on all your people, wherever they meet together. Lord, we pray for our the leaders of our nation, of the world. We pray that we might be allowed to live a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Accept our thanksgiving. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The shortest psalm, only two verses. And it contains the whole gospel in it. I would like to call this psalm the missionary psalm. The missionary psalm. Now, notice in Psalm 117, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations, and praise him, all ye people. Now, you and I both know that the Old Testament is primarily about the Gentiles. I mean the Jews and not the Gentiles. There were some times in the Old Testament days when a Gentile would be saved. You can remember Naaman, the leper from Syria, uh, the, one, the, Sarep, the widow from Sarepta that Elisha healed. She was a Gentile. What about Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar was certainly a Gentile, and the Lord used him to write Scripture. I love uh, in the fourth chapter of Daniel, where he actually writes. Uh, from time to time, there were some 
Gentiles saved, but the psalmist directs this to all nations and all peoples. They're all called upon to praise the Lord. And Paul actually quotes this psalm in Romans chapter 15, verse 11. Uh, there were some Gentiles, as I said, saved from time to time in the Old Testament days, but look what is said here. Everybody is called upon to praise the Lord. You and I are called upon to praise the Lord. Everybody without exception in all the world is called upon to praise the Lord, all nations and all peoples. Now turn with me for a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I want us to see what the scripture has to say about the Gentiles. Verse 1. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land, whether thou goest to possess it, and has cast out many nations before thee. And he names seven nations that were greater and mightier than thou. Verse 2. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee. Look what they're called upon to do. Thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. Thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them. You shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. Look in verse 16 of this same chapter. Thou shalt consume all the people which the Lord thy God shall deliver thee. Thine eye shall have no pity upon them. Neither shalt thou serve their gods, for they will be a snare unto thee. Look in chapter 9 for just a moment. Verse 4. Now these nations that the Lord told them to destroy. Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me to possess this land. Don't say... You're getting this because of your righteousness. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness, or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of the nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord sware unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness for thou art a stiff-necked people now in these instructions to destroy the nations they're destroyed because of their wickedness 
And then he says to the children of Israel, don't think I'm doing this for your righteousness, but for their wickedness. And I'm giving you this for my name's sake. You know, a part of the great mystery of godliness in 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. The gospel is preached to the Gentiles. We don't think that's a great mystery, do we? We're Gentiles. But that's what the Bible says. The great mystery of the gospel being preached to people like me and you. Now back to Psalm 117. <clears throat> oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. I love the psalm that says everything that hath breath, let them praise the Lord. Praise him, all ye peoples. All nations and all people are called upon to praise the Lord. Now, when Paul quotes this in Romans 15, 11, it reads this way. Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Now, that word laud means approve of. Approve of. You know, we read um, quite often about the president's approval rating. Well, the approval rating, I, I hope I say this reverently, but the uh, approval rating of the Lord is 100% with all his people, and it's 0% with everybody else. But the, every believer approves. It's not that he needs our approval. Understand, I don't want to, I want to say that cautiously, but all of the Lord's people approve of everything about him. He's absolutely perfect in all his ways. Now, if, question, I'm talking about the approval of every believer of the Lord. Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. I want to think about it. And it's a difficult question, but think about this. If the Lord Jesus Christ did not save you, would he still be worthy of all praise? I hate to think of the Lord not saving me. That's a very difficult thing to think about. But if he didn't, he is still altogether glorious. Do you know only a believer feels that way? They have some idea some idea of who they are, but they still approve of everything about the Lord. We approve of all of his attributes. He is perfect. Now look what he says in verse 2. Here's why, why all people are to praise him and all nations. For, verse 2, his merciful kindness. Don't you love that word? It's the Hebrew word hesed. And it's been called the Old Testament word for grace. I love this word. Think about it. What a glorious word with regard to the character of our God. His merciful kindness is great toward us. Who is the us? His merciful kindness is great 
toward us. Well, the us is not everybody. Now, how can people not included in the us be called upon to do this? To praise him. Because understand this. His merciful kindness is not refused to anybody who wants it. The door's wide open to anybody who wants to be saved by his merciful kindness. Would that include you? You can't say, well, I wanted to be saved and he wouldn't save me. Nobody can ever say that. Say that. If you want to be saved by his merciful kindness, the door is wide open. And that's why all peoples and all nations are called upon to worship him for his loving kindness. Now, don't you love the fact that the Lord said in his parting words before his ascension, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? I love that. Go ye, not sit back, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He and his gospel are worthy of the praise and approval of all nations and all peoples. Now listen to this scripture. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says this is a faithful saying. You can utterly rely on this, and it is worthy of all acceptation. Now, when Paul says that, he's saying everybody in the world ought to consider this the greatest thing. They ought to receive this. They ought to approve of it. They ought to glory in it. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save Sinners. Is that worthy of your acceptation? That's the best thing you could ever hear. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom Paul says, I am the chief. His merciful kindness is great toward us. Now, this word merciful kindness is also translated loving kindness. When you read that in the um, Old Testament, have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness, it's the same word. It's translated favor. It's translated pity. It's translated mercy. It's translated goodness. His merciful kindness, his favor, his loving kindness, his mercy, his goodness. Notice the writer says his merciful kindness is great toward us. Now, you'll find this interesting. The word great is not an adjective. It's a verb. It means prevail conquers, wins. 
It's not just an adjective describing its greatness. It's a verb. His loving kindness, his merciful kindness is great toward us. It's mighty. It's powerful. It prevails. And this verb is actually in the perfect tense. It means it's a completed action. It's, it, it, it's left nothing out. Now, quite often, I hear preachers use um, this phrase, God offers you salvation or God offers you forgiveness no he does not offer salvation he saves he does not offer forgiveness he forgives if salvation is merely an offer that means your salvation is dependent upon whether or not you accept or reject the offer. That makes salvation ultimately dependent upon you. That's called salvation by works. God's salvation is not an offer. It never has been. It never will be. Salvation is of the Lord, and anything less is a non-saving gospel. God doesn't offer to save you if you'll just let him. <laughs> Salvation is not an offer. I've even heard people talk about the free offer of the gospel. And that's, I just don't like that language. The, 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 the gospel is not an offer. It's a declaration of God's salvation. And let me remind you, that doesn't prevent anybody from being saved. Anybody who wants to be saved will be saved. Anybody who wants to be saved by Christ will be saved by Christ. Uh, if I'm not saved, it's because I didn't want to be saved by Christ. It's not because God didn't offer me salvation. It's because I rejected the only way of salvation. But thank God his salvation is not an offer. He saves. Now look once again, for his merciful kindness is great toward us. His merciful kindness is not generic. It's given to us. Now, who is represented by the pronoun us? His merciful kindness is great toward us. Well, the same us that our Lord spake of in Matthew 3.15 when he said, Thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Everybody he died for. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us us all that's the us how shall he not with him freely give us all things now his merciful kindness is mighty powerful great toward us now this word us um it's a wide open word but it's an exclusive word as well if i said this building is for us to meet in could somebody come in and say, well, it's for us. We're going to meet in it too. You know, we're going to, it's, it's going to be our building too. You know, I got a letter from a guy this week, a, a pastor here in town. He said, uh, would you let us use your building or perhaps our, our churches could combine and we be become one. And I'm thinking, you idiot. I, I guess I, I'll be out the door. I'm, I'm sure that I'll be the first one to kick out. You know, and, uh, but no, the, the us doesn't mean everybody, but it means for us. It means for us. This building's for us to meet in. 
His merciful kindness is great toward us. Now, what I love about this word, merciful kindness, is it's actually an attribute of God. It's an attribute of God. His sovereignty, his holiness is his attribute. His omnipotence is his attribute, but this is also listed as an actual attribute of God. When he proclaimed his name before Moses, he said, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in, when it says goodness, merciful kindness, loving kindness. This is an attribute of the glorious God. It goes on to say in that passage in um, Exodus 34, he says, keeping mercy, and that's the word, loving kindness, merciful kindness, keeping merciful kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, I want us to think for a few moments about this word. It's the Hebrew word hesed. It's an attribute of God. It's who he is, his merciful kindness, his loving kindness. Number one, his merciful kindness is the reason he forgives sin. It's his reason. Listen to this scripture from Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is of great mercy, and that's the word. The Lord is of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is who he is. He delights in mercy. This loving kindness we're speaking of is the ground of his covenant with Christ and his people. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 7, once again, verse 9. Know ye therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and Mercy, loving kindness. He keepeth loving kindness. That's his covenant with his people. He's the covenant God. Number three, mercy, loving kindness belongs to the Lord. You know, power belongs to him. Loving kindness, mercy belongs. To him. That means if you're going to have it, you go to him for it, don't you? Lord, give me your loving kindness. It belongs to him. Loving kindness is for Christ's sake. I love it when David says, Is there any that I can show the loving kindness of God? for Jonathan's sake. God says, is there any that I can show loving kindness to for Christ's sake? That's why he shows it. You don't have to look for a reason in you. You don't have to look for any, well, I'm this and I'm that. Just forget that. It's for Christ's sake. And God has every reason to bestow it upon you for Christ's 
sake. It's really the object of our trust. You can't be separated from Christ, but David said, I've trusted in thy mercy. I've trusted in thy loving kindness. And you know, I, I trust in his loving kindness because it's for Christ's sake. I know it is mediated to me wholly through Christ. And so I trust that it. it's this really the same thing as trusting Christ himself, his loving kindness and his mercy. I love this. His loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 103, 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from, and that's the loving kindness, the same word, the Hebrew word. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. It never had a beginning. Doesn't that blow your mind? You know, there was a, if you're a believer, if I'm a believer, and if I'm somebody who needs loving kindness, there was never a time when God bestowed, upon, bestowed it upon me. It's eternal. It's as old as God. And there's never going to be a time when he withholds it from me. His merciful, loving kindness. And listen to this. His merciful, loving kindness gives God all the glory. Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name, Give glory for thy merciful, loving kindness sake and thy truth sake. Now, this thing of God saving by his merciful, loving kindness means that he gets all the glory in salvation. Now, you, you say, sure, uh, yes, I, I believe that, and, and I do too. But here's what's really glorious about this. If he gets all the glory in salvation, if, if he doesn't get all the glory in salvation, that means there's something I must do to be saved. That doesn't sound good at all. The reason I love him getting all the glory and salvation, that means he does everything in the saving. I find security there. I find comfort there. He gets all the glory in salvation. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 90, verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy merciful loving kindness. You know, this is the only thing I find any satisfaction in is that God saves wholly because of his loving kindness, his tender mercy, his favor, his grace. Oh, that satisfies me. That gives me confidence. I love what David said in Psalm 51.1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. That's the word. Not have mercy upon me because I'm sorry. Not have mercy upon me because of some promise I made. But have mercy upon me according to thy loving kindness. And when I ask the Lord for mercy, I don't say have mercy upon me because I'm so sorry or because I intend to do better. Have it for Christ's sake. Same thing. Thy merciful, loving kindness. Now that's the word that describes all of God's salvation, isn't it? His merciful kindness, his loving kindness. Now look what the psalmist says in verse 2. For his merciful kindness is great toward us and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. His merciful kindness is the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. 
It's the truth of who he is. It's the truth of how he saves. It's the truth regarding his glorious person. It's the truth of how somebody like me can be saved. It's the truth. It's the truth that endureth forever. This is never going to run out. What a glorious two-verse song. The message of the Bible is found in these little two verses. Shortest chapter in the Bible, and there's nothing more full than this. Praise ye. Praise ye. Everybody in here has got a reason to do this. Praise ye, the Lord.